The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, this is the heir, come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him produce at the proper time. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One, two, three, that's three Sundays in a row that we've had vineyard parables. The first one is a pretty benign one. It's a, a parable that's directed by Jesus to his own disciples and he really wants them, he wants them to come to know what God is like. So he tells the parable of the laborers who work different hours of the day out in the vineyard and each gets paid the same full day's wage. And the disciples, of course, and we too with them are kind of confused by that because it doesn't make good economic sense, but it's really how God operates. It's how God's heart works. It's a heart filled with compassion. It's a great little parable. And it's a parable meant for Jesus' disciples. The second parable from two weeks ago, well actually last week, that was two weeks ago, um, the second parable is a little bit harsher, it's more tough. Jesus turns not to his disciples, but to the chief priests and the elders of the people. 
These are the big shots of Jerusalem, the holy people, the guys who, who have arrived at the top of the religious and spiritual ladder. They're the ones everybody looks up to and says, oh, mighty, mighty ones, oh, holy ones, you're so good, you're so wonderful, you're our spiritual and religious leaders. And they, of course, are soaking it all in. They become very full of their, their own holiness and their closeness to God. They, they are pretty good at managing God, in fact. It's to these guys that Jesus speaks the second parable of the vineyard. It's, as I said, a little bit harsher. Jesus talks about the guy who sends his two sons out into the vineyard to work. One says, yes, I'll go, but doesn't do anything. And the other says, no, I won't go, but does go and work the vineyard. Which one does the master's will? Which one does the father's will? Well, everybody knows, of course, the one who actually worked. And Jesus says, well, then, you holy people of Jerusalem, you big shots, you chief priests and elders, that son who said he was going to go but didn't go, that's you. And they go, us? He said, yes. You do all this talking, all this stuff about religion and God and everything, but when push comes to shove, you're nowhere. Meanwhile, the sinners, the prostitutes, and the tax collectors, they're responding to God's message and God's initiative and God's grace in their lives. They want forgiveness while you guys are busy about your many things in the temple. At least in this second one, the chief priests and the elders, though they come after the sinners, make it into the kingdom of God. Now, today we have the third parable of the vineyard. This one is the harshest one of all. This one is really tough. It also is directed to the chief priests and the elders of the people. Those same big shots in Jerusalem who were running the religious show at the time. So Jesus addresses them this third parable which we've just heard. So there's this guy who's got lots of money to invest in a vineyard. Perhaps down in Walla Walla, I don't know, maybe. He's got, buys the land and he digs the wells and he plants and he irrigates and he gets the best stock from Bordeaux and he makes this beautiful, beautiful vineyard. And then he goes off, he's really rich, so he goes off traveling perhaps, I don't know to where. He disappears for a long time from the sea. So he hires tenant farmers to care for his vineyard for him. And presumably they do a pretty good job. So when it comes time for harvest season, he sends back his servants, his aides, his emissaries to the vineyard to collect what is his due. You know, beautiful bounty of grapes that can be turned into lovely wine, which can make all of us very happy over our steaks <laughs> tables. And what happens though is those tenant farmers, they're not such good people. They might be good farmers, they're not good And they take the emissaries from the master and they throttle them and they stone them and they even kill them. Well, this of course does not please the master, the owner, so he sends even more of his servants, of his emissaries. You know, surely they'll respect these guys because there's more of them. But what happens to them? They too get throttled, thrown into the ditch, and stoned, and even killed. Now, 
the master is really, really upset. You can imagine this is not going well at all. What's he going to do with these rebellious tenant farmers that he's got on his hands? So naively, perhaps, he says, okay, I'll send my own son. My own son I'll send, and surely they'll respect him. Because they know if they do harm to him, it's the same as doing harm to me. And they wouldn't dare do that. So he sends the son to collect his goods, to collect his grapes, to collect his wine from these awful tenant farmers. And what do they do? Yet again, they take the son, throw him out of the vineyard, and they kill him. Why? Jesus tells us why in the parable, because they figured, aha, here comes the son. If we get rid of him, we can take over this vineyard for ourselves. So it's greed, really. Greed for something that really isn't theirs, that leads them to do these terrible things. And then Jesus asks the chief priests and the elders, what do you think? What's that master going to do next? And they answer, they've been following this story very carefully, they got this. They say, well, that's clear what he's going to do. It's what anybody would do if they've killed your servants and your servants and finally even your very son, your very own son. He's going to go back and he himself is going to take those tenant farmers and he's going to, the wretched way that they treated his own servants and his most of all his son, that's what he's going to do to them. He's going to kill them, all of them, wipe them out. That's what he's going to do to those wretched tenant farmers. Then this is where Jesus clobbers those very same chief priests and elders. Basically, in so many words, he says, those tenant farmers, wretched as they are, miserable as they are, that's you. That's you. That's who you are in this story. You can imagine the reaction of the chief priests and the elders of the people. Some little carpenter from Nazareth, you know, who hangs around with sinners, and tax collectors, and prostitutes, and he has a bunch of fishermen for his disciples. He's telling us that we're a bunch of tenant farmers who are worthy of death. What does he mean by this? How dare he? And you can almost see the murderous wheels turning in their heads as they stand there listening to Jesus accuse them and basically take the clothes off of them so that they're standing there with their true selves exposed to the people. Saying, aha, this guy, we gotta get rid of him. This guy, we gotta make disappear. This guy we got to kill. And that's precisely the point that Jesus is making. He knows already that these chief priests and elders of the people, they're so full of themselves that not only do they not recognize the kingdom of God when it comes into their midst, they can't stand it. They can't stand that God is doing something outside of their control among their people. They don't see the good deeds, they don't see the healings, they don't see the cures, they don't see the beautiful words, they don't see the hear the parables as Jesus intends them, as the sinners do. Instead, they resist and say no 
and they are not part of the kingdom of God that is Jesus himself. They are the ones who, when they encounter the Son of the Father, say, let's get rid of it. Because this is our turf. This is our kingdom. This is our vineyard. And we're not going to have some upstart from Galilee taking it out of our hands. So how did they get this way? How did they become this kind of cold-hearted people with spiritual arteries that are filled with sclerosis? What happened to them? They probably started out as young boys saying, oh, I want to give my life to God and serve in the temple and be holy. Well, the parable really tells us what happens. They become kind of greedy. They begin to think that that this vineyard, this temple, this kingdom of God is theirs. It's theirs. They forget that it's on loan to them, that they're only tenant farmers. The glory of the temple is our glory. We're the holy ones here. We're like little gods here because we control God and manage God and share God with the people through us. And that arrogance and that lost sense that they're only humble servants of the master is what gets them into trouble. And it goes unchallenged so long that they believe their own myth of their own greatness and their own holiness and their own godliness. So much so that when God does intervene in their world, when God does intervene in their vineyard, when God does intervene in their kingdom, they don't get it. They can't see it. They can't hear it. They can't know it. And in fact, they begin to plot against it. Jesus knows by this point in the gospel these are the guys who are going to take him down. And it's not going to be pretty. So, because these fellows are chief priests and elders of the people, because they're professional religious people, it's really important that this parable be a cautionary parable for any of us or all of us who serve in a church popes and bishops and pastors and priests and ministers of all kinds. We especially have to listen to this parable and remember that this vineyard is not ours. This church, this parish, this community is not ours. It's on loan to us to serve humbly and caringly and tenderly so that the grapes and the wine will be fine and delicious and beautiful for God's people. But it's not just for churchy kinds of people that this parable is meant to touch. It's also for all of us, for everybody. It calls us to remember that everything we have and everything we are is on loan to us from God. Our churches, our vineyards that have been loaned to us by God. Our schools, our vineyards, on loan to us from God. 
Maybe most of all, our families, our vineyards on loan to us from God. And it is our responsibility to care for our little ones, to care for our children, to care for our grandchildren, to care for our nieces and nephews, to care for our neighbor, to care for anyone and everyone as Jesus would, with compassion and tenderness and humility, remembering that it is not ours. It is God the Father's, and we are only humble, poor caretakers of these vineyards that have been lent to us. It's only then, it's only then that we can know the kingdom of God in this world of ours, and in our churches, and in our schools, and in our families, and our homes, and our places of business, and our communities, wherever we work or serve. It's only when we recognize ourselves to be humble tenant farmers of the vineyards God has lent to us that we can humbly tear, care for and nourish and nurture the beautiful vines that have been entrusted into our care so that we can give back to God the great fruit of his kingdom and share that fruit with our world.